Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Horror Haven Podcast. As tonight, on Halloween, we talk about the one, the only, the classic, John Carpenter's Halloween. I'm Steven. I'm Dylan. I'm Sierra. I'm Erica. Hope everyone is having a scary good Halloween. Enjoy. Alright, Halloween uh, was released in 1978. It was written and directed by John Carpenter. It follows Laurie Strode, a babysitter who gets stalked, her and her friends, by Michael Myers. Jamie Lee Curtis. A serial killer who, as a kid, murdered his sister and returns back home to Haddonfield to... Murder his sister. <laughs> Murder his yeah. Oh wait, it's not, we his, don't know that it's yet. not his yeah. sister yet. Hold on. <laughs> Get the head of uh, ahead of the series. <laughs> Halloween was shot in 21 days with a $300,000 budget, but they had an additional $20,000 that was given to actor Donald Pleasance, who played Sam Loomis, Dr. Sam Loomis. Uh, originally, the part was offered to Peter Cushing, uh, who denied it because he was working on bigger films such as Star Wars at the time. It was then offered to Christopher Lee, who denied the part as well, who would end up meeting up with Deborah Hill and John Carpenter and saying that was the biggest mistake of his career was not being in that movie because for its time, it was one of the most successful uh, independent films uh, for its time with a box office of $70 million altogether. It's really what and, up the, uh, the whole slasher genre too because I mean before this you had Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Leatherface but it was really this movie that set the road for like Jason and Freddy and um the whole like holiday themed movies with My Bloody Valentine and Friday the 13th and all of those oh yeah it definitely set the groundwork and created a formula almost because mm-hmm. if you you know what I mean like it it, it like, yeah, there was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and there was also films like Psycho and Black Christmas, but what Halloween did was it created, it definitely created a formula for, like, future films to follow. It's almost like the slasher film was getting that early start beforehand, but then, like, once Halloween was released, it really set the flasher, the, ah, the flasher, the slasher genre in stone for more films to follow. Now, this movie... Uh, it originally wasn't supposed to take place on Halloween, right? It was supposed to be over like a, a certain period of time, but because of the budget, they decided to make it set. Yeah, no. So the original idea um, was they wanted to do a horror movie um, based on babysitters and who was going to be stalked by pretty much the boogeyman. And at the time, no film was done about Halloween, so they were like, "Why don't we just call it Halloween?" There's never been a film that focused on the holiday of Halloween. So you had, like, Bob Clark's Black Christmas, who was going to do a Black Halloween film. And, some like, it's, like, this online lore that, like, Black Christmas is, like, the unofficial prequel. But it, like, it, it got scrapped, and Bob Clark wanted to do other works. And so he's completely scrapped the idea. And uh, then the idea was given to John Carpenter who was a very ambitious uh, young director at the time. He got a start on Assault on Precinct 13, 
And, uh, you know, the I can't remember the guy that uh, had, like, brought the idea to him. I'm kind of drawing a blank, but not really that important. But, yeah, so they wanted to do a film about Halloween, and they thought, what better way than to have it take place on Halloween involving babysitters? Uh, they just thought the marketing was going to be good, and John Carpenter was like, I can do this film with $300,000. That's all I need. And uh, Mustafa Akkad, who would help fund the film, kind of thought, like, what, are you mad? Like, how are you going to do a film with that low of a budget? And John Carpenter was like, trust me. You're like, you just got to trust me. I can do it. And he pulled it off because, like, this film was shot in Southern California. And it did such a good job of capturing fall. And it's kind of crazy. Like, if you look in the background, you could kind of see, like, a little bit of palm trees here and there. But certain streets just give this eerie vibe to it. And they literally had three garbage bags filled with painted leaves that they had to collect after each shot to give it that fall look. So it was a very ambitious film at its time. And the overall um, payoff would be well worth it because it broke box office. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it also paved the way for like um, Jamie Lee Curtis, who... John Carpenter cast her as kind of like a, you know, like a, I'm trying to think of the word. Homage? Yeah. Homage? As as an homage to to Psycho because her mom was Janet Lee who played Marion Crane in Psycho. So. Yeah. That's going to hurt a little bit for Jamie Lee. Like you only got this job because your mom. Well, no, I mean, I think she killed it. And she I'm, did kill it, it's but funny that's what too I'm because, saying, though, is that she probably wouldn't have been... Cons- I mean, okay. it's, it's funny, too, because uh, after the movie had wrapped up, she thought that she did a terrible job acting, and she was like, I'm definitely, like, never going to do anything after this, and John Carpenter actually called her and was like, you fucking, like, did amazing. Like, you blew this out of the water. And it really, like, Jamie Lee Curtis now is, like, extremely recognizable actress. She's, like, the scream queen. Uh, yeah. She's She's one of the... The the big people that they bring back on all those teeny boppers horror shows to kind of like be the the queen of the shows. You know what I mean? Uh, she's a big icon, a huge icon. When I I remember um, when I was younger, but like okay, so the first horror movie I remember watching is Texas Chainsaw. Not getting into it, but <laughs> after watching that for the first time. It wasn't something that I went back to until I was much older, whereas Halloween was something that I watched really frequently um, when I was younger. And uh, Dylan remembers when we first started dating, I was obsessed with the Halloween. And not just the first one. I love the whole series. Uh, I think that Halloween is one of the more successful series. I do, too. Um, it didn't get cheesy like Friday the 13th did or Freddy did. It really, for the most part, stayed very serious um, throughout until like it got to like the very end, you know? Uh, which I always, I always just loved the series, and um, me and my sister watched it. Not even on Halloween, just we just binge watched it like bi monthly. Um, so like this is one that I, I told Donna, I was like, I honestly, I could not watch it, and I, I probably recall most of the details pretty well. But um, rewatching it was kind of funny because it's like. I kind of it's been put on the back burner for me, and then rewatching it, I was expecting to be like, "Yeah, this is my movie. I fucking love it." And I, it, it wasn't um, as scary as as I remember it being, and that that was kind of a bummer. But I mean, like when you when you have this idea of how a horror movie is so scary when you're young, 
it's it, it never has that same effect when you're older, you know. Um, but I, I think that it was still a really fun movie, and this definitely is the, this is the movie. This is the fucking movie that put, like, if you have sex, you're going to die. Yeah. Like, hands down. <laughs> like, some people say it was Friday the 13th, but it wasn't. It was Halloween. No, it was and it's Halloween. funny because John Carpenter never really, like, intended for that to be something in the movie. It was just kind of like, it just fell, fell that way. <laughs> oh, here's a little fun fact that I noticed when I was watching it, too. Um, when we reviewed Carrie, the one girl, um, what was her name? The one she plays Linda, P- PJ Souls. Yes. She, yeah, she's in Carrie. She's, li- I don't know, her name wasn't Tina. I think she had a boy's name in, in Carrie, like, a, but, but it doesn't matter. Um. It does matter. No, I'm just kidding. The actress is in Carrie, and she's also in Halloween, which is two huge horror movies where she played kind of backburner roles. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah she was uh, almost a scream, scream, uh, scream queen. John Carpenter wrote that role specifically for PJ Souls and hoping that she would accept uh, the role. That's funny. It's I'm going to write, because... write a small role specifically for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he was such a fan of her and Carrie, so that's why he was like, I gotta get her in this. The part where, uh, with the nudity, where, you know, she says, like, that see something you like... Uh, at the premiere for the movie, some guy in the crowd who was, like, sitting right behind her, I think it was, stood up and was like, yeah, I do. And <laughs> she was uh, she was dating Dennis Quaid, who was supposed to play her boyfriend in the film. And he, due to, like, scheduling, he wasn't able to do it. But he was like, oh, do you want me to say something? Which she was just, like, really, like, I don't know, like, embarrassed about it, I guess. But... I'd be pretty. I'd, I feel like I'd be pretty mad. I'd be like, "No, fuck you, you dirtbag." <laughs> totally. <laughs> this movie. How, for how me, many times she says "totally" in that movie? Right. <laughs> this movie for me. Um, I I'm a big Freddy fan, and we discussed that a couple episodes ago. And I I like this movie because it doesn't have the cheese, mm-hmm. like. With Freddy, like, he's got all these, like, quirky one-liners, and it just, it's, when I think of This horror, is Freddy without the cheese. Yes. That's literally like, what it is, because it's, like, the boogeyman. If Freddy is just, like, he's he's terrifying to me, and, and we discussed that, but Michael Myers is terrifying to me, and I, it's, first and off, the concept opposites. that no matter how fucking fast you run, you're going down. <laughs> what is Michael? Like... Michael Myers is like he's a time traveler. His his the, the whole fucking the whole fucking series chooses to ignore that. Like totally chooses to ignore the fact that this guy does not run does not walk faster than like .03 miles per hour. He's the 64 <laughs> Olympic speed walk champion. <laughs> but he can catch any person except Except Jamie Lee Curtis. She's the you only don't one. Know. She could be like the fucking Usain Bolt of her time. <laughs> well, it, it builds up to the lore of Michael, whereas like Dr. Loomis pretty much says like he, he you're speaking to him as if he's like human, you know, and he's like he's, he's not. He's, he's this evil force. You know what I mean? It's almost like a larger than life character coming from a small town boy. Because of the amount of evil that Dr. Loomis saw in him. So he does, like, a the whole movie, he, like, really builds him up as, like, a big threat. And no one's taking him seriously. He's like, you don't understand. Like, I have seen, I've spent 16 years with this patient. And I have seen the evil behind this boy's eyes. And, like, he is a force. 
Let's of nature. talk about Creeper. Like, this dude just randomly, like, I, I think Dr. Loomis might have been, like, a bigger Creeper than Michael. <laughs> just hiding in bushes and pits. But um, that, that's, that's another thing, too, though, that was John Carpenter paying homage to uh, Psycho was Loomis. Sam Loomis, which is same character uh which there's a that like you said with like the whole black christmas thing there's also rumor that loomis from psycho became dr loomis in halloween after seeing uh norman bates lose his mind go crazy but those are all really interesting fiction they're interesting though you know i mean somebody took the time to sit down and correlate the two of them and it's just like I don't know. Stuff like that always just like interesting to me because can, it's it, they're just it's it weird. Gives you a different like perspective you're like, yeah, on the movie, you're like yeah. what the you I, almost look at it that way like oh shit like this guy used to fuck yeah. with Norman Bates. Yeah. You guys want to hear a super secret fact that nobody knows about this movie? It's a William Shatner mask. What the fuck? Yeah, everybody no, I'm just knows. Kidding. I know. I, okay. I was. I was, being, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I, like, I was trying to be funny. What did it work? Yeah. Let us know in our DMs. Every time, like, whenever anybody says William Shatner, though, I just picture him, like, throwing himself on something. <laughs> like, he just paused around the corner, like, like what? Stuff you called? Fucking William um, Shatner. He's a, I hear he's a dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, the William Shatner mask worked out great because at it first, even look uh, like William Shatner though. You know, like, I well, like what they to... did was they used it. Uh, they used the Captain Kirk mask. And what they did was they cut out the eye holes and then they painted the mask like a fish belly white and roughed up the hair. But before that, Tommy Lee Wallace, the editor who would go on to direct uh, Halloween Part 3, he originally, uh, he picked two masks. The, the first one he had Nick Castle come out in was an Emmett Kelly mask, the, the hobo clown. Okay. And they were almost, yeah, they were almost going to go with that one. And hence the idea of him using a clown mask uh, in, the in the beginning of the yeah. movie, a young Michael. Which, fun fact, when he's stabbing um, his sister, that's Deborah Hill's hand stabbing and reaching for the knife. Because they can only work with him. Because, you know, it's hard to work with kids, you know. They got, like, a normal school schedule and shit. But anyways, getting back to it. And then they came, he came out, Nick Castle came out uh, with the Captain Kirk mask and instantly everyone just got chills and they were like, yeah, that's the one we're going with. And they just modified it. And now, you know, it's, it's, it gives the effect. And that's the thing is it's an emotionless face. And sometimes simplicity is more scary. Yeah. Well, what's cool too, with uh, speaking about the beginning specifically too, like you don't know at first, like, um, if it was like your first time watching, I, I almost, like, wouldn't... Ex- I mean, I've seen this movie... I couldn't even tell you the first time I watched this movie, so it's hard for me to say what my first reactions were to it. But I could imagine, like, first time watching, you wouldn't expect it to be a kid in the beginning. And you can see it, too, like, uh, when he opens the drawer and reaches for the knife, like, the camera blurs out, almost to show that, like, you don't know that it's a kid's hand. And that's, yeah. what, I, that's what I point out, too. And I thought that that was a cool choice, because when the the parents actually come home and you see Michael as a kid, like, standing there with the knife, you're like, holy shit, like... <laughs> see, I disagree with that because I feel like the camera angle is held so low. Yeah, but you know. In that scene. You know, though, that it's a kid. Yeah, but... I'm saying, but like, it's going... Like, like it's... somebody watching it for the first time, I could see what Dylan's saying. I feel like it's gonna have that kind of, like, shock value, like, oh, shit. Okay, but 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, okay, I'm gonna come and meet in the middle with you. It's an adult crawling on the floor, then. Probably. No, the actually, what is it extremely was, lower. it was a new camera at the time. The cinematographer, uh, Dean Cundy, uh, it was like this panoramic camera where it would attach to your body so he could do a full moving shot. And this was one of the first movies um, that featured that kind of camera because it just came out at the time. So that whole opening shot is one continuous shot originally john carpenter wanted to do like you know the cameras on the track but due to timing you know they only had 21 days and the amount of time that's when they started using the newer uh, panoramic kind of camera and uh it was just it it was at a lower angle almost like on his torso so that's how he was filming it was attached to his torso so that way he can do that long pretty much first person shot of like michael looking through the windows and everything. I love the, uh... One of the most iconic kills from this movie is when, um... What's Linda's boyfriend's name? Bob. When Bob gets stabbed into the wall, Mm -hmm. and his body's just hanging there, like, such a fucking... I think that scene is, in general, not even just the murder, but, like, the when Michael goes back into the bedroom after killing Bob. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, he has the sheet over him. That's where I was going with it. It's super iconic. And it's such a creepy thing, like... When you hear the knife stick, too? Oh, great. Yeah, but I mean, just, like, him standing there with the sheet on, like, it's such a creepy, like... Because we know, but she doesn't know. Yeah. Um... Another, like, iconic thing from the movie, too, is the famous, with Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, in the, in the closet, and Michael's, like, breaking into the closet, and it's kind of like, and it's such an oh shit moment, because you're like, how do you get out of this, you know? Like, you are literally cornered in a closet, how do you get out of this? Yeah, uh, John Carpenter, he just did such a good job of building up that tension. So when it finally happened, like, you just wanted it to happen already because it was more of, like, it wasn't, like, shock value because there was little to no blood. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, like, many jump scares. It was just solely based on that buildup and that tension. Like, when Lori's backed against the wall after discovering uh, Annie's body in the bed, and she's discovering everyone else's body, and she's backed up. And then the way they did the lighting where they had Michael slowly come into the shot, that was the biggest oh-shit moment I think I've ever seen at the time. Because this was my first horror film, and it fucking terrified me as a kid. And just to see Michael slowly, like the mask, slowly illuminate, ah, just an amazing effect on, seriously, like... And it was funny because, like, the test screenings didn't have that much reaction until John Carpenter put the music in, which only took him an hour to do. Yeah. Which completely fucking blows my mind. I want to talk about that, too, because it has become one of the most iconic, like, horror soundtracks. And John Carpenter, he did. He did all of the music, and he did it in such a short amount of time. So the fact that he was able to, like, piece all that together and make something so fucking iconic... And I've always said that, like... It, to me, it seems like things that are rushed always seem more impactful, and I think it's because it's more of, like, you going off impulse. You don't have time to, like, think and second-guess yourself and, like, really structure It's very it. raw. It makes yeah, it very raw. Exactly. I, this is my thing with the, the music, and I love movies that do this. I feel like things like masks, yes, they're very iconic, but to me... 
it's the ones that have the the, the music. Mm-hmm. Like you hear it. And it just instantly, like, you picture everything about that movie that you remember seeing. And I think the music, in a sense, also aids in the nostalgia of it. Like, um, like Psycho, you know that sound. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know that music. Like, it's, you just know what it is. Like, you hear it and you're like, oh shit. I have a funny story about the, uh, the song for this movie. Um... I don't remember... I think I've said it on a past episode, like, fucking episodes, episodes ago. I don't even remember what episode it was. But, um... Yeah, Sierra's cousin, back when we were in high school... When we first started dating. Yeah, it was, like, when I first got a cell phone. Way ten years ago! Um, so I kept getting these phone calls on my phone, and every time I picked it up, it was the fucking song from Halloween. And it happened... (laughs) It happened, like, twice a day for... I'm not kidding you, probably about a year. Like I could always wow. expect, I could always expect to get that call, and I was like, "Who the fuck is this?" It was always from a blocked number. So finally, Joey listens to this podcast every week too. It was Amber. Yeah. It was your wife, Joey. <laughs> fuck it. So finally, I find out that it's Sierra's cousin that's been calling me for a year and fucking playing this song, and I'm like, and, "You're gonna start getting phone calls so, again from her after this." It, it did a good job of building anxiety too, because when you hear that like high pitched like. And then it, ha- but it also it, has like that. After a while of listening to it, it, has like that low drop too. Yeah, where it's in the background, and and that that just brings you like, oh, this is a. It creates anxiety, and it that's does. why I love movies that do that. It it just this movie has always been really, it's fun for me to watch. Like I think that it's just because it's, it's not something that's very intricate when you watch it. Like as a movie, it's not something that's very like deep yeah it's something it's cool because it for me it's almost a double-edged sword not a double-edged sword i don't know if that's the way you would describe it but like i think it makes it scarier that you literally know nothing about michael there's no there's no deep backstory there's no like motive for why he's doing what he's doing until the sequels obviously it's very simple but it's tastefully it's done i'm sorry that's a wrong term it's very simple, mm-hmm. but it's effective. Yeah. The simplicity of it is executed well and is what created this whole, like, I don't know how to explain it. I think it's successful for its time. I think if the same movie came out now, yeah, it wouldn't be successful. But it, it is. It wasn't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because horror movies, you know, they were then, uh, I mean, excluding, like, Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Black Christmas, um, you know, they, horror movies All are typically monsters and, and you know, almost like that dark, gothic setting, castle, like, you know, Transylvania setting, whereas they now brought horror into your hometown, where it was like it could happen anywhere at any time, and it just so happened to be this uh, fictional town in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And that's what was really effective, was like, holy shit, this could happen anywhere, at any time. Yeah, but And it like, brought that organic fear. Like, like I was saying, that like it's, it's like, its own weakness, I guess is a better way of saying than double-edged sword, because it's like, you don't have this backstory, it's just it's a fucking killer. Like, you a dark force. You don't know what it is. You don't know what his motives are. And that makes it scary. But at the same time, 
it makes it at not as a franchise, but just looking as like the first installments of movies. Um, there was so much more character building with like Freddy Krueger, uh, mm-hmm. the first Friday the Thirteenth, like the fact that it was his mom, it was a motive. And like, I don't think, but I think that's what makes him so special is that he doesn't need a motive to kill. Them that's what people. I'm saying. Like it, it's it's hit or miss for not hit or miss, but it's like I'm so back and forth with it because I do find the fact that there is no motive for it scary, but at the same time, like it, it leaves me, it yeah, it leaves me wanting more. I'm with you on that, and I I feel the same way about that. I think that you can go one of two ways with it. You're either going to like I'm sure. Nobody has not seen this. I mean, I'm. I know there are people who, who haven't. But if you listen to the show, you've seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like if you haven't, you probably aren't enjoying the show too much. You're being forced um, to watch it by your significant other that really likes it, and you're being tortured. <laughs> but it is one of those things. Like, it, you feel it both ways. Like, it does lack to me the character development that some of the other movies that we've covered of this style of horror hit the nail on the head with. Do I think it takes it... I can't even... I'm tripping myself up. Do I think it takes away from this movie? I don't. I don't think it hurt it. I don't think that it was something that was detrimental that they had to have a backstory. Um, Well, I think... I think that if this came out after the movies that that developed more of a backstory, it probably would have been more crucial to people that it had some sort of explanation exactly, more so than what it is. Yeah. But I think because it was the first one of this style that, that it wasn't important to people because it was new. Um, I wonder if that's why, though, like, Jason created a, a, a heavier backstory. Probably to, to have you know because like, we've you can't, talked about the facts that if there wasn't it would be too for, exactly yeah. it'd be too similar. Um, I think with Halloween as a singular movie, I, I don't I, 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 I love Halloween I do, but um, I think like singularly I don't appreciate it as much as I do as like a whole series. The whole series mm-hmm. because it's like like Freddy, not a huge fan of Freddy, like but I can appreciate. Nightmare on Elm Street. The, the on first, its own, exactly. On its own, but the series is ridiculous. And Friday the Thirteenth, it's like the same movie over and over again. So you can appreciate the first one, and then as it goes, it gets it gets worse and worse. Whereas Halloween, it can, it's still it's still good. Um, I think it's like what H two O where it starts to get like mm-hmm. wonky. It gets yeah. weird. But up to H two O. Oh, you want to say weird though? Uh, part six. Uh, the Curse of Michael Myers, or the producer's cut, a.k.a. Halloween 666, The Origin of Michael Myers. You want to talk about fucking wonky, though? Isn't that the one where it's like this, like, fucking old, like... I remember something with, like, a fucking, like, rock formation shit, or, like, Circle of Rock, some ritual-type shit. Yeah, it's based on, like, old Celtic... uh, traditions of sam hain yeah. but we'll, we'll save that i definitely want to do that in the in the future and i'm sure we'll cover it because that film you could literally fucking dissect and dive into yeah. with the way that shit went down but um yeah i think as a series these movies stayed good more so than the other ones like we're towards the end it started getting a little weird but but the first installments of this movie like the first 
like four movies is are like they're good movies. They're all so, like you can watch them all without being like, oh my fucking god. Absolutely. You know where every other every other series that came out after this really did take a very cheesy, wacky turn. Or they just kept well, doing the same movie over and over exactly, again. You know, they they switched say. it up. And then the one where they brought the little girl in. Four. Like, mm-hmm, Four? Yeah. That, that's one of my favorite ones. Danielle Harris. It's, um, yeah, but it's great. I, I think this is the only... Bit, and this includes Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is the only slasher series that I can get behind the entire series. Like, fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre had fucked up movies. Like, bad. You know? Yeah. Where is, and and Friday thirteenth and Freddy the whole fucking series of Scream was just fucking joke. But this this series did the best job at keeping 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 it to what it should have been. Right on, I agree. For anybody who's listened to us and knows how much Sierra fucking goes on and on and on about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, know that until like maybe two or three years ago. That was Halloween. Like, from the time I met Sierra to about two or three years ago, it was Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Halloween is the greatest. I love Halloween. I, I had, when, when, when Dylan and I started dating, I had the entire series, I think twice. <laughs> I was a huge Halloween fan, but um, I think that as I got older, it got less scary. Where Texas Chainsaw didn't. <laughs> Halloween will always have a special place in my heart. Oh, I love like it. I said, but like it was, I said, it's just not—it's not spooky to me anymore. But it's fun to watch. It's a fun watch. It's just—you like, know what? You know what? It did it for me. Uh, definitely, of course, the music. Um, but it was the first horror film I ever saw. And go figure. My dad had a pretty good replica mask, and uh, he legit scared the shit out of me with it. So I had this constant fear of Michael all the way up until probably the age of twelve. Mm-hmm. Where I would just have continuous nightmares, and uh, but that that fear grew into love and admiration for the movie and the series as a whole, and John Carpenter himself, like he really just blew it out of the fucking park because these were just a bunch of kids making a movie. Like it wouldn't have been done if it wasn't for their friends helping them out. Like it was as low budget as it could get for you know at that time. And, like, some some people were paid, like, five bucks a day, you know? And they, like, they eat, lived, and sleep this movie for 21 days. And they just, they fucking blew it out of the park. It went on to be uh, an awesome franchise and a fucking absolute classic. And a main stable in the world of horror. And, I like, if I could, if... If I if this movie was a physical form of like a person, I'd marry it instantly. <laughs> now we're getting a little too uh, Stephen B. S. D. This <laughs> like, is like I have like, uncharted so much territory. Love for this movie. Slide into Stephen's DMs, John Carpenter. <laughs> Halloween from nineteen seventy eight. Slide into Stephen's DM. <laughs> Do it, Mike Myers. Let's tie the knot. Let's tie the knot. <laughs> yeah, seriously though, this, Mr. Is, this has a special place in my heart. Mr. Steven, Halloween 1978. <laughs> also, it was my dad's, like, favorite horror movie, and, like, anything that can reflect the memories of my dad, I always, like, hold dear to my heart. So, whether it be him, like, showing me the movie to literally scaring the piss out of me, which I've said this on an old episode, but one day I was coming home from Catholic school, and he waited in the shower dressed as Michael. This was around Halloween time. 
because uh, our neighbor, him and him and our neighbor would do a haunted house every year that, uh, you know, all the kids would line up for and I'd be fucking terrified, even though I knew it was my dad. And I felt I heard something fall in the shower and I opened it and there he was standing there like full jumpsuit, the replica mask and a fucking butcher knife. And I pissed my pants. I got down, cried and pissed my pants. <laughs> but I wouldn't have it any other way. So thank you, dad. Anyone got some favorite moments? Favorite, favorite moments, I think, is for me, is the one I said before with Michael standing with the sheet over him. I, I think it's such yeah. a creepy, like, mm-hmm. such an eerie thing. And it's something like uh, we've talked about. There's a specific term for it, and I'm going to find out what it is. But it's uh, when you, like, when the audience knows something that the uh, the person in the film doesn't. I, I learned it in my fucking film studies class back in college, and I can't for the life of me remember what it is and I'm starting to sound like a fucking snob so I'm going to stop but uh it, it, it's oh, Mr. College Boy over here I have a degree <laughs> fucking dick but, uh, I dropped out <laughs> who's got a cooler job than me <laughs> but um no it it I, I love it I love those moments where like we know something like you know that she's fucked like you know it and it's just a matter of like waiting and you just know that like what's underneath that sheet is fucking it's truly terrifying fuck it yeah. <laughs> so i'd yeah. say that that's my favorite part oh hold on i want to bring something up uh before everybody else says their favorite parts it's one more thing that i want to say bob is a fucking creep because he's talking to linda oh in the car God. and he's like all right so i rip your clothes off you rip my clothes off and then we rip fucking uh the little girl what's her name yep lindsay yeah, and then we rip Lindsay's clothes off, and I'm like, yo, you fucking pedo. What are you yeah, doing? he said it. Uh, he would went on to an interview. I guess he said it on accident. They just honestly just completely forgot to cut it out, and they were like, fuck <laughs> it. We're just going to roll with it. It is. No, it's a total creep scene. Like, why would you say that? But it was, like, in the spur of the moment, and he just fucking, like, he fucked up his lines, and they were just like, fuck it. We got 21 days to do this, so just keep on rolling. Like, I must have been We're- so embarrassed, like, so mortified. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, why did definitely. I say that? Oh, that's so bad. You can't come yeah, back from that one. You know, there's little mishaps. Like, you again, you could see, like, a palm tree or two. Uh, one part right where um, Annie's checking behind the bush when Lori spots Michael, you see a bit of cigarette smoke go by. And as they're walking away, if you look closely, you could see someone kind of peeking over the bush. I just recently I caught that. Probably fucking leave <laughs> that creep. Every fucking <laughs> probably right. Yo, I love when he's like, "Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there!" <laughs> fucking the look on his face. What, oh my god. One thing that I wish they cut out of this movie, and I think it's way like out of character and like just doesn't fit, is the fact that Michael drives the car. Yeah. And it's it's kind of weird too because like mm-hmm. he grew up in a mental institution. Like, he, how does he? They know brought that up. They're like, how would he drive yeah. the car? And he's like, well, he's just fucking doing it. He didn't say fucking, but he's like, well, he's doing it. Maybe someone it. around here gave him driving lessons. He was doing just fine last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which later would be revealed that the the gentleman he's talking to, Dr. Wynn, uh, would later be revealed in part six as a key key player in, in the later in the franchise. So I'm just saying theories here. Dr. Wynn, wink, wink. But, uh, yeah, we'll save that for another time. Favorite Erica, moment? favorite moment? I'm going to go with Dylan. I think that's just fucking creepy. And it just... It's... I don't fucking do kids, dude. <laughs> I have two kids, and they just... I My daughter's done some creepy shit, so I just... 
Kids fucking weird me out. Mm, my most memorable moment. Hmm. Hmm. Let's think. Hmm. When that girl spills butter all over herself and walks down to the neighbor's house and half naked. That's a good one. Oh, when she walks over the Doyle house? Yeah, I'm like, that's not the solution. You walk over there, drop the kid off before you take your pants off, you hoe. God damn. <laughs> yeah. Women. Fucking Annie. And it's so funny because she's like the sheriff's daughter, but she's like the most unethical. Oh, yeah, no, I know. She's, they're like driving down the road smoking cigarettes, and they're like, it's my dad! No, they're smoking pot. They're like, get rid of it! Yeah, dad. no, they're smoking pot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't and then, that. and then that's why Lori's like, do you think he smelled it? Oh, he's always got that face. Which, like, come on, you're a horrible fucking cop, sheriff, if you can't fucking smell weed after they just fucking started smoking it, like, minutes before getting there. Um, but yeah, no, um, I, th- I, th- I, obviously I think that this movie has two iconic scenes, like Dylan had mentioned, and it's the scene where, you know, Michael kills... Bob, and then he shows up in the bedroom, in the in the um, the sheet, and then obviously the the closet scene. I think those are two of the biggest. Uh, I I do like the part where it's kind of being hinted that they're being watched when the kids are like, oh, or the little boys like, oh, I, I saw the boogeyman outside. He's outside, and she's like, oh no, stop! Like he's not like there's no boogeyman. Like whatever, and the little girl's like, I believe you. It's like I like that like kind of foreshadowing that there's something there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Before actually, before it actually reveals, I think um, that was a really nice um, addition, especially because it's like that's how they've been referring to Mike Myers as the boogeyman. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I gotta agree. Like that scene where Tom first when Tommy first spots him, Lori's on the phone with Annie and she's trying to talk get her to take out Ben Tramer um, for the dance or whatever. Uh, when Tommy first peeks through the window and he sees that the shape of Michael just standing there, that image was burned in my brain for years as a kid. And probably one of the most terrifying things because, you know, I was a young kid seeing it and, you know, put yourself in that situation. It's Halloween night and you're looking out your window and you just see right over your neighbor's house, like this dark shape just standing there. You know what I mean? It's absolutely terrifying. And an- another uh, amazing scene is when, after, like, Lori first stabs uh, Michael with the crochet needle, um, and then uh, Tommy Doyle's like, you can't kill the boogeyman, and he looks over, and boom, Michael's just standing right there. It's just like, holy shit, you know? It, it was just absolutely terrifying to yeah. to see that for the very first time. And then It's funny, also, too, because what- they, uh, <laughs> they actually, like... Michael isn't even credited as Michael Myers in the movie. Yeah, he's, he's just called the, the shape. shape. Yeah. Yep. Nick Castle was paid twenty five dollars a day. Jeez. Yep. That's shit, dude. That's all right because John Carpenter would help him break into the business, and he would go on to direct like a bunch of movies, and one of them being uh, Richie Rich from nineteen ninety three. So you know, Wait, I mean, Richie like Rich? you got to start somewhere. Dude, no, that movie's solid. <laughs> Yeah, Nick Castle ended up directing that. You go, but, Nick Castle, because Richie Rich was the shit. Like, it just, honestly, John Carpenter, he just did so many effective things without having to use gore or a shit ton of violence. Like, it was just the way it was done, and it, it worked so well. And, I mean, 
it seriously is it's not only like my favorite horror film this is my favorite film of all time like hands down so i yeah i kind of just gave away my rating and i'll give you the solid number but i just got so much love and admiration for this movie because the effect and the impact it had on me like i became michael myers obsessed after that like i really thought like michael was this evil driving force that couldn't be stopped and uh you know john carpenter like for being fresh out of film school and just the ambition that he had you know for him to pull this off was just truly remarkable is it bad that my favorite movie isn't even a horror movie <laughs> no mine's not favorite movies right now gangs of new york zero awesome my That's favorite movie ever movie. Yeah. easy princess bread Eternal Sunshine okay. of the Spotless Mind. I know yours is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Steven, what's yours? <laughs> he just said Halloween. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hands down. Number one movie ever. Gangs of New Favorite. York is mine, dude. I fucking Gangs of New York is me. solid, but Princess Bride is definitely better. Yeah. Don't hate on the Princess Bride. And you know what? Or the Never Ending uh, Story more. is another one that I love. Oh. That movie? You want to talk I... about a true horror story as a child? Never-ending story scared the shit out of me. Oh my god, when, when Atreus is riding his horse through the swamps and he's like, Actually, and the horse starts sinking and he's like, no, don't let the sadness of the swamps, oh my god. No, do you guys want to know what movie actually destroyed my childhood? What? E.T. I know, you don't like aliens. <laughs> Erica's terrified of aliens, everybody send her, send us, send Erica EJ Madness on Instagram pictures of aliens. Don't do that. Please do it. <laughs> All right. Before closing this thing up, uh, one more scene, though. The ending, like, absolutely crazy when, you know, Dr. Loomis shoots him. And then we get that, that look when he realizes Michael's gone. That look in his eye, like, you know, it, it just, what a way to end the fucking movie. And then she was like, was that the boogeyman? He was like, a matter of fact, that was. Like, holy shit. Like, just really, like, it, what a way to end the movie. Seriously. It was a good way to set up for a sequel, but also leave it to where it could have been left as its own movie. And This is the only one where I say yeah. that it should have, con- that, that I'm glad it continued. This is the only I, Yeah, I'm glad that they built I, on it. You know it. what, though? I am too on that. I'm glad that they clarified that Jamie Lee, or Laurie Strode, I should say, is his sister, because it gives more of a motive for, and it gives more of a connection between the the killer and the victim protagonist of the movie. Um, I'm curious to see how this new one goes because they're ignoring all of that. Like this is just gonna it's ignoring all the sequels and just taking from the first one. You know what I bet so you know that there's gonna be things from the sequels like like I feel like Mike Myers are gonna is gonna have qualities that were in the sequel. Uh, yeah, I see you know that, what I mean? I mean. Like, but I mean, like, I they're gonna ignore the storyline, but they're gonna take qualities that they like. I would like, I would, I would, I like the dynamic that Laurie Strode is his sister. So I kind of wish that they kept that. I kind of hope that they keep that, but it's too early to say anything as of right now. Yeah. Well, at least John Carpenter's on board for it, and he's gonna be scoring. He's going to be scoring it, so that's a plus. I'm kind Why of they're ignoring... See, I'm kind of curious to see how it goes. Like, I'm really fucking curious because 
it's being written by Danny McBride and the uh, yeah. the guy who wrote Pineapple Express, and it's like yeah. two comedy writers and John All Carpenter to, for John Carpenter to read it and be like, "This is he fucking said amazing." It was fucking yeah. amazing. All I'm saying is, if Franco isn't Mike Myers, I'm not watching it. <laughs> I, mean, I want it to be Seth. <laughs> or Rogen. Seth Rogen or Chunky Larry. Chunky Larry. Yeah, that's right. Chunky, Chunky Larry, Larry sounds just like Seth Rogen. If you listen to Creatures Features podcast, they're awesome. Check them out. Chunky Larry's cool, but he yes. sounds just like Seth Rogen. <laughs> Fucking he's got Chunky a good Larry. sense of humor, too. I think he might be funnier than Seth Rogen. <laughs> he is pretty cool. Uh, he's, he's great. I've got a bone to pick with him, but I fucking love him. A boner to pick with him. Ew. Ratings! <laughs> Ratings. <laughs> Steven? Uh, yeah, uh, I seriously am in love with this movie. It has such an impact on how I view movies. Um, it really started my love for horror, and I just can't help but, like, have this special feeling every time I watch it. Like, I refuse to watch Halloween until it's October. Like, I'll watch any other horror movie anytime, but the Halloween and the Halloween series, like... I won't watch it unless it's October. And, uh, yeah, I just think John Carpenter fucking truly created magic with this, and he would go on to set up all the rules for slasher films to come. And I'm a big fan of slashers, so, you know, John Carpenter, uh, amazing. This movie is amazing. If you haven't seen this movie, I am truly sorry. Um, it's not too late, so go end your Halloween night tonight and go watch this classic. I feel like everyone should watch this movie on Halloween night. It's literally streamed on almost every channel, and if it's not this, it's Hocus Pocus, so watch one of them. (laughs) So, I'm gonna give this movie the perfect ten. Wow. That's my rating. Wow. Wait, can you say that more special, though? Say it again. I'm gonna give this movie... I'm gonna give this movie a perfect time. Use that one. That was perfect. <laughs> Massive legend here. Shut up. <laughs> All right, Dylan, your turn. Um, I like this movie. I really do. Um, I think that it really did set the ground for slashers and like what really did like vamp up the slasher genre. I don't think that we would have. I actually know for a fact we wouldn't have people like Jason Voorhees <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for this movie. Um, so, I mean, you really have to credit this movie with all of that. And to see how much they did with such a low budget and this crew of people and cast that were just so on board with it, it really is great. And it's what it's cool to see because, like, seeing the indie scene now for horror, it's very similar to what it was then. And it mm-hmm. really Making gives hope. A big loop. It really gives hope that you know you don't know what next big thing is going to come from an indie project. There could be an indie project going on right now that's going to become as big as Halloween is today. So I think that that is really great. Um, I wouldn't say that it's my favorite franchise as far as slashers, but it's not my least favorite. Um, What's your least favorite? Honestly, I'd probably say Child's Play. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about that. that yeah, yeah, Child's Play. No, Hellraiser. No, that's not a slasher. Okay. But anyway, yeah. So. <laughs> I hate Hellraiser. I do too. Um. I think I'd probably give this movie uh, a two point five. <laughs> 
<laughs> Yo, try to get me triggered. I fucking see you. <laughs> Sierra's like sitting here going, bring it low, bring it low. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'd have, I have to give this movie. I'm gonna go with a nine. Really? That high? Wait. Yeah, it's a classic. You can't have a, you can't have yeah. a Halloween year without watching Halloween. It's literally Absolutely. a fucking tradition. <laughs> I watch it during Valentine's Day, so I don't know. I don't know why. You I like. This I is... like your style, Sarah. Steven watches it during Valentine's Day because that's his okay, rule right there. This is the rule. Okay. So, <laughs> so this is what I do. I watch Leprechaun on Easter. I watch Black Christmas on St. Patrick's Day. I watch Halloween on Valentine's Day, and I watch My Bloody Valentine on Halloween. Sierra, we've literally done none of those things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was a really, it was All right, a really. Rate the cool, movie, Sierra. Um, no. Okay, Erica, rate the movie. <laughs> I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it an eight points. Eight. Oh, you guys are going to fucking hate me. Oh God. So, um. I like I, I, I like it. I like it obviously more than the Jason franchise. <laughs> I like that it consistently like as a whole the fran- you just ate a fucking Pokemon card. Fight me, bitch. <laughs> Continue, I'm sorry. If you don't swallow That's what she said. You better leave that in. <laughs> Chew it, chew it, darling. I continue with your reading. I just want to see if you're actually going to eat this fucking card. It tastes so bad. <laughs> please don't cut this out. Continue with your reading, please. Keep chewing. Anyway. So, as a whole, I think that the franchise is awesome. I think that it didn't lose itself as it progressed, and that's what makes it appealing to me the the jason franchise just didn't do that mm-hmm. um and you all know i'm a big freddy fran and fran fran freddy fan i'm a pretty big fan too the fucking f's fuck me up um but i i just think it's a good movie i think that it could be great as a standalone it's great in a franchise it's iconic I mean, it is a, it's a Halloween staple, and I feel like you have to watch it. Um, and for a slasher, it didn't have too much cheese, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm a fan of the cheese, my cheese you like the level, nice cheese whiz, like you like spray that shit yeah. on there. Yeah, I know, like a little bit of the canned cheese. But yeah, not the fake like cheese. a pound of it. At least go with Sargento. Okay, but uh, yeah, that's my that's fine. God. Dylan's going to town on this card. I think he's swallowing it. If I die in my sleep, this is why. Oh, God. Oh, God. That makes me Stick nervous. Stick your tongue out. I think the die from the card died your tongue. It, it did. sure did. Ew. Yeah, Don't take it out. It. Don't swallow that. You're going to, like, choke. I'm you die. literally made paper mache. All right. This is how um, sculptures are made. This is art. Now, <laughs> writing this movie is really hard because I think if somebody asked me... Three years ago, I probably would have rated it easily a nine. Um, I think diving into horror movies, I found a lot more that I think, although this one's very iconic and it did hit it really big, I think that there's other movies out there that I I, I would prefer watching, um, which is a bummer because this was like really high up there for me for a long time. 
Um, You're I, supposed to be the chosen one! Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think in a series, like the Halloween I series, her on fire. is... <laughs> The Halloween series, I think, is is hands down my favorite series because it didn't go funny, it didn't go weird, for the most part. You know, it stayed a lot truer. Oh, right, though. It stayed a lot truer. To <laughs> oh itself. my gosh. And um, so I think like this series would get a much higher rating than just the first film, which there's nothing necessarily wrong um, with the first film. Like there's nothing that I would change about it, but. <coughs> For me, I feel like it, it drags a little bit, and um, I'm gonna <coughs> give this. I just almost puked. <laughs> he just ate a Pokemon card. Don't look at him like that. You spit it out. Rate it. I feel it in my throat. <laughs> That's what she I said. I think I'm gonna rate this movie at a. I'm gonna I'm gonna rate it with like a. I'm really fighting myself because I feel like I want to be honest, but at the same time, I feel like. It's a classic, and I don't want to be murdered by horror fans. I'm going to give it a... Listen to your heart. I'm going to give it a six, a 6.5. <coughs> and that's my final score. Oh, I just broke everybody's heart. Nine plus ten. Yeah, you did. Which, what was yours? 8.8. I gave it an 8.8. I'm actually really fucking surprised that you gave it... A 6.5. As a series. It gives it an average of an 8.6. It's an 8.6 because you get a round up. Because the number after it's higher. 8.6 for that lesson. You're welcome. Alright. So, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of 4 Even Podcast. Please don't kill me, people. (laughs) I found that you've been saying that a lot lately. Yeah. I rated the last two movies... Really good. You did good. Yeah, I, did. I rated it really good. I just rated this one How a little you? And it's just because I'm like, I, it's hard for me to not look at it as a series. And yeah, I like no, it as it, it progresses. Right. Um, I like Halloween, I promise. Alright. Thank this you. Is guys. Not, wait, this isn't compared. Every time you like wait to talk until <laughs> I'm about to talk. I just want to put put it out there that my rating isn't compared like so much to other horror movies, but like it's it's like just a rating on that movie individually. I'm not like comparing it to my ratings to other horror movies. So like, yeah, okay. Don't kill me, please. I'm scared. You already signed your death warrant. Oh, Steven's gonna fucking find his way to North Carolina, <laughs> bitch. I ain't giving you my address. <laughs> All right, guys, that's gonna wrap it up for this week's. Not this week's. This episode. This special Halloween yeah. episode. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Horror Haven Podcast. We want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in this Friday, so like three days from now, and we're going to be releasing an episode on 28 Days Later and The Girl With All The li- Gifts. The Girl With All The Gifts as a double feature of Modern Zombies. We're going to have our good friend Sylvester Barzi, the author of Planet Dead on. So Our number one fan. Look out for that. Um, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast and check out our website at HorrorHavenMedia.com. We love you. We appreciate you. And please send all your death threats to our direct messages. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if you subscribe to us, uh, if you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing, even if it's a one star. I'll we actually get really excited for the one star ones. <laughs> so keep them coming. Yeah. And, and uh... uh have a good night. Have a happy Halloween, and go. Take your kids and... fucking trick or treating. Don't eat Pokemon. Yeah, that and end your night with 
with Halloween. Honestly, I I feel the best way to watch this movie is on Halloween night. Leave the bowl of candy out for the kids to grab. Nobody leave the jack lanterns lit. Listen, it sets the atmosphere. I'm yeah, all for it. Yeah, but then you have greedy fucks like my husband who comes by and dumps the whole fucking bowl. Oh, dude, no, but you also, like, for some reason, every time I watch, like, you know, like, popcorn and movie go together, but for some reason, this movie especially goes with popcorn. Oh, I yeah. I think it's because that bitch spill spills the butter all over candy. herself, yeah. I love popcorn. <laughs> all right, later. Bye. Later. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>